Hey, Mr. God, sir, I'm glad you drove all those nasty monsters away, but I really wish you hadn't used a tidal wave to do it. My sofa cushions will never dry now. It had to be done. Fiery demons must be extinguished by my divine might. But, 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 Sir God, I snuck into the caverns to watch, and those fiery demons were smacking you around pretty bad. I know I shouldn't ask impertinent questions like this, but... But wouldn't God be impervious to minor minions of hell? Foolish little man! Tanzra's power is such that even his underlings are a threat to one such as myself. Just because I foolishly made my sword of basic bronze instead of a truly godly metal, which was unfortunately overpriced at the heavenly store, does not mean anything! Almighty sir, why is it that you only have one servant? I had three neighbors taken away by demons because your little angel couldn't be anywhere at one time. Also, why can your servant fly and you can't? The heavenly store was offering a special that day, and the angel's wings were far less costly than my own. You see, I eventually got the money to buy them. Because I did a bad job and times I came back, but still. Yeah, but you can't even fly with your wings. You just glide. What kind of god are you? Wait, is that a mask he's wearing? It is. Who can it be underneath? Why, it's Michael Bay! Curses! I would have gotten away with remaking the world in my image if it wasn't for you kids! At last, your ego has been brought down. No more need we fear the senseless, spastically edited, incoherent, mind-numbing destruction of the world every two years. <laughs> I'll never stay down. The people like being killed senselessly in a jumble, and they show it by feeding me money no matter how much I insult them. My lawyers are even more godly than I am. If we must fight this battle again to stop you from destroying everything, we shall. In the meantime, though, how about an RPG backtrack? Today we discuss the fight for freedom as Phil gives us the 411 on a duo of tactical RPGs in today's PC pit stop. Then our panel decides to play God as they extol the blessings and cursings of ActRaiser 1 and 2. Last but not least, our all-man panel gets their prism power on with a protracted discussion on a little-known RPG about Sailor Moon. From superheroes in tights to shirtless gods to girls in sailor outfits, expect the unexpected on today's RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer console RPGs from way back when right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the hosts are using the natural abilities of a god to reshape the earth. I'm Phil Willis. And I am sick of filling out graduate school application work. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 29, The Deity is Unhappy. Mr. Mike, we're raising up some uh, some godly powers today with some discussion on uh, ActRaiser, I understand. That is what I understand also, where you pretty much play God, and you need to, well, reshape the world. Mm-mm-mm. So, I mean, and that's really, when you think about it, that's the ultimate RPG, an RPG where you RP God. Yeah, you don't see that too often. Mm-mm-mm. No, no. And we have a couple of guests to help us out with this. First, we have Mr. Paul Engelman. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Yeah, having a good time? 
Eh, got a bit of a cold, but otherwise not too bad. Playing any new fun and exciting games lately? Uh, Dragon Quest Nine still, Persona 4 for two plus years, and uh, that's it. Mm-mm-mm. Man, Persona 4, man, I tell you, it's a meaty RPG. You'll be there for another two years, too. Yeah, I'm pretty close to the end, I think. Yeah. I 20 or 30 more hours. Isn't that a... Is, wait, isn't, is that the one where you fight God? I, I can't remember. I, I said Persona 3. That was Xenogears. Xenogears, okay. So you can play God and Act Razor and then beat him up in Xenogears. We also have a brand new guest with us today, Mr. Zach. I fell down a well house. How are you doing, Mr. Zach? Pretty good. A little soggy. Yeah? Well, why don't you do us a favor, Mr. Soggy, and tell us, uh, tell our audience uh, your handle at RP Gamer and what you do there. Sure. I go by Nekobasu, and I review games. Where in, the, where in the heck did you get that name from? Well, a long time ago, I watched a movie called My Neighbor Totoro, and there's this cat bus, and it pretty much is set the course for how I wish to live my life. What, fly around everywhere carrying people? Yes, I suppose. Could put it that way. <laughs> well, next time I'll fly to Indonesia using your friendly skies. Uh, review any good games on RP Gamer lately? Or any bad ones? <laughs> oh, man, the bad ones. It's made for the better stories, but uh, my last review was actually pretty good. I can't remember its name right now, but I remember giving it a high score. Was that uh, ZHP Unlosing Ranger? Yes, the Zetai Hero Project, uh, Dark Death Evil Man versus the Unlosing Ranger. You know, actually, no, and it was because of your review, actually, that I went ahead and picked it up for my trip to Indonesia. And I've gotten, I believe, to the, to the last boss guy. It's a little, I hate, I hate spikes and, and difficulty curves and whatnot. I've been able to cruise through the entire game, and then I get up to the last guy, and he wipes me on two hits. And it's like, uh, okay, that, that was interesting. Everybody else, I could kick their butts, but get the last guy killed in two hits, so. Obviously, I need to grind up some more and use some more unlosing powers and stuff in order to take him down. But, no. go ahead. No. The unlosing powers seem like the definite best way to do it. Just make it so you get the immune to his attacks for the few rounds ability, and then do whatever you want. Yeah, except I don't, I'm not powerful enough to take him down in a few rounds yet, so. Okay. I can take down everybody before him, no problem. Question for you, real fast, uh, on a side topic along those lines, maybe you can help me out, uh, cause I haven't been able to find it on a FAQ anywhere. Um, okay. so you have the caravan that you can set at a certain floor, and, and your, your, your people from your town show up in that caravan, so you can use the services halfway through the dungeon. The problem is, the deeper you set it, the more unlikely they are to show up, because they're not high enough level to survive. How do I get more powerful little people? Because I find little people in the dungeons, in the random dungeons, but they're always like level one or level two. They're even worse than the ones I already got. How do I how do I get some better people for my town? Okay, to do that you need to find the building, the tiger den. Have you done that yet? I never heard of a tiger den. Okay, it's like a mixed martial arts arena that you can have your dudes train in. Ah. And once you install that, everyone just slowly levels up over time. It increases their maximum level and their abilities like the blacksmithing power or the ability for the caravan to make it to several different levels. Got it. Okay. I'll look out for the tiger den doohickey. Um, so what, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite type of RPG that you like to play the most? Action RPGs, classic JRPGs, Western? Um. 
those genre distinctions don't do much for me. I guess I'm looking out for the weird stuff. Probably why I liked uh, Zeta Hero Project so much. It, as long as it does something that I haven't seen before, because I've been playing stuff since uh, Dragon Warrior for the NES. So if it gives me a new experience, new characters, that's what I'm going after. You know, I, I can I can absolutely totally relate to that because uh, I'm there with you. I've been playing I've been playing games since. Commodore days, uh, you know, gold box D and D games and whatnot, and I was just even saying, uh, you know, when people have heard me on one of my Dragon Quest Nine rants or whatever, have just <laughs> like, okay, this really doesn't bring you know anything terribly, you know, new to the table or anything like that. At least the core battle mechanics and stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm looking for something new and fresh, and ZHP certainly does bring that to the table. So even though it's really not, <laughs> even though it's not really a backtrack <laughs> RPG, yeah, it's not two years old yet, but. Uh, here we are giving it lots of props because it really does do something different and it takes the whole roguelike uh, RPGs, which there have been plenty of, but really turns it on their head and gives you a lot of mechanics to fool around with to make yourself obscenely powerful. Well, Zach, didn't you review Knights of the Nightmare on PSP right before that? Yes, I did. I loved that as well. And, uh, that would also be a very unique game. Yeah. A little older, but as they say, it's new to me. Yeah. I what? just got my copy in uh, yesterday. No, Wednesday. Wednesday, I got my copy of that and Igri Union. But shit, is it worth getting if I were to get the DS version? Hmm. Food for thought. Um, what's your favorite RPG of all time, Mister Zach? Suikoden Two. Suikoden Two. And they still haven't released that on the PlayStation Network. Evil people. Yeah, uh, no, Zach. Would you say it is, in fact, worth the prices it commands on eBay? If you have that kind of money... Oh, wait, what, what's it up to now? Is it 120 130 uh, I'll have I'd have to check, but I know it will... You will only get it under 100 if you are insanely lucky and a four-leaf clover fell on your head with a, a unicorn spearing it through the wall or something. You Watching know, mix my metaphors terribly. And you know what's going to make you feel really good is if you spend a hundred bucks on that, and then like the week after it comes out on the PlayStation Network for fifteen bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you try to sell it on eBay again, and everyone's you know the price is deflated because it's on the PlayStation Network now. Oh, I see the disc by itself on sale for uh, ninety-five bucks. That is a sale. Wow. There you go. Whew. I think if you have that kind of money and you consider yourself a collector, it's worth it. Just playing it, though. Wow. Um, if you haven't played it, yeah, I guess it's worth that much. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're going to take a minute to go put on our superhero outfits, and we'll be right back with the PC Pit Stop. Today on the PC Pit Stop, we're going to talk about the Freedom Force series. 
I understand that out of all four of us, I'm the only one who's played these little gems. Shame on you guys. You need to go out, stop what you're doing right now, and buy it on Steam. It's like full price. I think it's like 10 bucks, if that much. And when it's on sale, it's like 3 So anyways... Freedom Force, Freedom Force, uh, Freedom Force is a, is, a, well, let me give it the official beginning. <clears throat> Freedom Force was developed by Irrational Games, published by Electronic Arts for the Windows and Mac OS systems. Released on January 9th, 2002. This is a real-time tactical RPG exper- single-player experience with a multiplayer component. Rated T for teens. So... Freedom Force is it was it, it is a it, like I just said it's it's a real time tactical RPG, um, but it, what really makes it stand out is it's it's about the comic it's about comic characters. Uh, the the characters in this game are not any that you know of, but when you start playing the game, you'll instantly recognize the style that these characters are written in. Uh, and I forget exactly what age you refer this to, but it's the 1970s. Kirby style of artwork and and character writing that you're going to see in this game. Um, the main character is Minuteman, a scientist who was working on the Manhattan Project during World War II, and uh, and he finds out that his uh, friend, uh, his old friend, uh, is selling uh, secrets to the Russians, and uh, you know, and tries to stop him. Uh, he's fired. His whole life is left in in ruins. Uh, later on, he sees his friend again, still making uh, associations and whatnot with the Russians, and uh, he's spotted and he is shot in the heart. As he is dying, he sees this glowing statue in the middle of the park, and, he's, and it's just like a 70s kind. He's like, I see statue glowing, ebbing with, with power. I feel it coursing through my veins as he touches it. It sounds just like a, a real corny uh, 19s, uh, 1970s kind. It's just absolutely hilarious. The, the the there's lots and lots of story in between the scenarios as you work your way through Freedom Force and lots of dialogue during the missions themselves. They're excellently uh, the the voice acting in this is just excellent. It, it really sounds like you're reading the pages off of the uh, off of these old uh, old age comics, and they're just absolutely a joy to listen to. Uh, all there's all kinds of carry, uh, character archetypes uh, represented in the game, such as a, a fiery Mexican who throws out flames. And uh, and a big hulking dude who's kind of sad. You know, the you're instantly going to think of certain Marvel comics uh, and whatnot that, that are immediately going to spring to mind. The story is really well done. This whole the whole game is a tribute to to that age of comics, and it's just done with such love and such care and such attention to detail uh, that that you're just going to want to play it again a second time just to capture everything. Uh, that would that's that stuff is all great, but it wouldn't mean too much if if the game itself wasn't fun. It's a it's a tactical RPG, so if you're used to playing games like Baldur's Gate, you kind of know what to expect here. Except you don't have to mess around with so much inventory management or anything like that. Um, each character has a set of powers. During the the battles, uh, you can pause any time, issue issue commands, and watch them uh, act themselves out. What's really cool is is you you can interact with the environment to a degree. The stronger superheroes can rip out lampposts and pick up cars and throw them at the bad guys, or take those lampposts and beat them around like baseballs. And nothing is more gratifying than whacking a bad guy uh, thirty yards down the road with a with a lamppost. Um, on top of that. 
you, you know, you're going to have fiery powers. You're going to be able to fly, jump on top of buildings, depending on the power of, of the different superheroes that you're using. In between the missions, if I remember correctly, you can – and it has been a few years since I played this. I mean, I did play it right when it came out in 2002. Uh, but I, I remember being able to attribute the experience points that I earned in order to beef up and add new powers to my characters. One of the things that I really got a joy out of is I was able to go in to the, a graphic editing file and actually create my own superhero and assign powers based off of that hero's uh, based off of that hero's real power set. And there are several websites where they have skins of all the major superheroes like Superman and, and Green Lantern. So you can download those skins, put them into the directory, and then and play those guys in the game itself. So it's really really flexible and it's it's really really cool. It has um, a really great story with a, a little bit of a cliffhanger ending. So uh, I really can't recommend this enough. There is a problem. I believe there's a multiplayer component, but I don't really have friends, so I, I didn't really <laughs> engage in that part of it. Um, and it. It's a real meaty experience. I want to say it lasted 20 hours, give or take. It's just an absolute ton of fun to play. A few years uh, after that, they released another game, uh, Freedom Force versus the Third Reich. This one was also developed by Rational Games, published by Electronic Arts and Digital Jesters. On uh, This one was on Windows only. I don't believe there was a Mac version. It was released March 8, 2005. And... Very, well, the very title like that. You make me immediately think of Captain America. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, when you think about it, your main character here, uh, being Minuteman, really is uh, kind of your Captain America deal. Uh, I mean, a lot of these characters, you're going to be able to go back and go, oh, this reminds me of this X Men character or this Marvel character, DC character. So Minuteman is like that, and putting them versus the Third Reich um, really kind of brings that whole Captain America theme out. Now, in Freedom Force versus the Third Reich, what happens to the heroes is um, is they get sucked back in into time, um, back when the back in the well the Third Reich the, and the Nazis and whatnot. What was interesting was in the 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 idea of pulling them back in the time wasn't just a, a way to get a story uh, an original an original story out. It was a, an excuse for them to uh, do another Freedom Force game, but this time in the Silver Age way of thinking, or whatever the older age is. I can't remember if the older age is silver or gold or whatever. But the the, the way the the Freedom Force versus silver is the the fifties and sixties, and gold is before that. Okay, so this would definitely be the silver then, because this comic comes across as a 50s or 60s, or this game comes across as a 50 or 60s comic. The new heroes that you pick up along the way, for example, they don't have really big flashy powers like the ones you, you got in the first game. Uh, th- these are, these guys are just, like one of them, his, his powers that he's just good with, or one of the girls, uh, I believe it was tricolor, or color, whatever, however you say it in French. Um, she has the, she's just really good with the, with the, with the, um, oh, the little thin sword. What's it called? A fencing sword. Uh, she's just a rapier. She's just really good with that. Uh, another guy's just really great with guns. Another one's kind of like the ghost in the night type of character. These are the kind of characters you would seize in the 50s and 60s, uh, not the ones throwing around fire powers and electric powers and stuff like that. So the, the heroes and the villains uh, definitely feel like they're ripped right out of out of that age. The color, there's less contrast in the colors to more feel like a black and white type of comic, though, though it still has colors in it and whatnot. And it does carry on uh, the story a little bit more from the first game. Um, so I, I found this one to 
be a lot of fun, not quite as fun as the first one, in my opinion. They did simplify and made something streamlined. It was a little bit easier and better to play in certain respects. Um, but the story didn't quite catch me as much, even though it did carry on a couple of a plot or two from the first one. Um, but if you played the first one, you liked it, you definitely don't want to want to pass this one up. But you definitely want to start, if you're getting into Freedom Force, you definitely want to start with the first one. To be honest, I have yet to play... Uh, a superhero game that really captures the essence of those age of comics, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, as Freedom Force and Freedom Force versus the Third Reich does. You absolutely can. I, I mean, if you can't, please point it out to me right on our boards and let me know. But I, I've been playing every single um, video game about comics that I can get my hands on. And while I do appreciate some of the newer efforts, like what Infamous Infamous is a really great PS3 superhero game, but that really conveys a more modern modern style of comic. Um, it's really tough to find a game that really conveys that sense of those older comics. And the fact that it does it, it with uh, RPG elements is just really an extra treat. The fact that uh, in between the different levels you can choose what what skills you want to enhance and really uh, focus on the characters that you like more than the others. You will never have enough points to upgrade all characters on your team. And before, oh, I forgot to mention that during a lot of the missions, um, you might have one or two characters that are required, but you get to choose the other two or three characters that come along. Usually you have four characters on each mission. Um, so you can really focus on the characters that you like more. The characters who sit on the sidelines, I believe they still gain and accrue experience points, uh, but not as much. So you'll never have enough experience points to maximize everybody, but you'll be able to uh, focus on the ones that you that you really like when you're done. So a lot of customization in this game, just absolutely phenomenal and just so much fun to play. You have a question, Mr. Engelman? Yeah, so is it fully voice acted or is it just like one or two people just narrating the story? Oh, it's fully voice acted. No, there is a narrator, you know, as well. Today in Liberty City, I keep using Liberty City, it's Grand Theft Auto, but today in Liberty City, we see Minuteman putting on his costume. You know, I mean, something like oh, that's that. That's awesome. He, I mean, the voice acting is just so spot on and, and, you know, and the, uh, there's this one character, the girl, the girl lead character, the alchemist, and she, she, she's always like, "Well, you just look like peaches and cream, honey." You know, with the southern draw, I can't even, I can't even emulate it properly, but uh, just absolutely, just well done, corny, great voice acting, but it's, it's corny in a very loving way, not in an assaulting way. It's, it's just really well done. Sounds good. I might have to pick it up. Yeah, and and like I said, you. <laughs> Yeah, it just it gained as I was mentioning before the podcast. Um, it was it got a lot of nine point which um, which is saying something because this is this is really a, a little little known game and whatnot. This isn't another Halo or Grand Theft Auto that automatically gets a nine just because it has the name. Uh, this game actually you know earned its nine and got a lot of nines and tens from people who played it as well. So it's really really high quality game. It really uh, unfortunately I don't think it was marketed very well. So it really didn't get the exposure that it deserved, and the sales, especially on the second game, really weren't there. Um, but you can now pick you can pick that up on uh, you can pick each one of those up at Gog, uh, Gog I mean Steam for five dollars each, or you can get the Freedom Pack, which has both games together for seven forty nine. Of course, we have Black Friday coming up soon, and we all know how much Steam loves to run games all throughout the the week or the month of Black Friday. So. Uh, who knows? It might even be on sale for three. I've, I've seen it as low as five or three bucks before, some crazy number like that. But it's seven forty nine. It's an absolute deal. I paid like forty bucks when it came out <laughs> for each game, and I still don't regret it. 
So uh, good old games. Gog has, uh, for some reason, Gog has uh, Freedom Force versus the Third Reich, but it doesn't have the first game. I don't know if there's some issue with the rights or voice acting or whatever have you, but um, I normally recommend GOG just because there's no copy protection that you have to mess around with and you don't have to log into Steam and stuff, but at this point, get the Steam version. It's cheap. It's fun. So that's uh, that's all I have for Freeforce. Any other questions? Not really a question, but a statement that you have definitely stuck my attention onto these games, and thanks. Yeah. You sent right up very interesting to me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and you know, with all the games that I have, and anybody who knows me personally knows that I don't finish too many games at all. <laughs> even even the good ones, uh, you know, I, I tend to play them for 10, 20, maybe 30 hours most, but I always get distracted with something else. But Freedom Force and Freedom Force versus Third Reich were two games that I blazed through because I just enjoyed them so much. But I understand, you know, I'm also a comic book fan, and I grew up reading these old comics. So there's definitely some nostalgia value, value kicking in you know, on my on there. Alrighty. Well, while y'all are getting your superhero on, uh, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a little bit of a break and go find uh, some angels and wings and all kinds of things so we can talk about ActRaiser and our main event. We'll be back after these music selections. <laughs> Razor came out near the beginning of the Super Nintendo's life cycle and is one of those Enix games that the company was able to make back when it just did weird stuff all the time and some of it worked, some of it didn't work very well. Other examples of this would be Evo, The Search for Eden. And frankly, Razor is not like, not quite like anything else you're going to play. Hey, Mr. Mike? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to have much to contribute to the ActRaiser conversation because I only played it for a couple of hours, but please allow me to give it the proper introduction it deserves. You mean a properly grand, um, thundering ovation? So, go for it. ActRaiser was developed by Quintet, published by Enix and Square Enix, directed by Masaya Hashimoto. Right... <laughs> crack myself up <clears throat> for the Super Nintendo mobile phone and virtual console released on the Super Nintendo in Japan December 16, 1990 North America November 1991 and in Europe in March 18, 1993 also available on your mobile phone and virtual console this is an action city building simulation RPG experience single player experience rated E10 oh yeah somebody put this onto mobile phone and apparently axed all the simulation parts so uh, that is the version no one should ever play. But I've said my piece for a little while. I will say more in a bit. Uh, Paul, Zach, who wants to take it first? Yeah, I can uh, I can talk about it. Um, so, when you first start off with, with Actors, you're a little, uh, little angel guy with wings, and you kind of go around and rescue villagers and really don't know what's going on, and then you occasionally jump into these little weird action sequences, and then you save more villagers. And um, 
fly around in a little floating city and uh, get talked to by your your god and tells you kind of what to do and then you kind of you kind of left your own devices on how to figure out you know what to do to 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 progress the story and and determine what actually is going on and try to uh, save the world and save your people. About how you would sum it up, Zach, or do you have a different take? Hmm. It's just been second nature of playing through the first few levels of Actraiser for me for so long that the sense of mystery or trying to figure out what to do isn't so strong for me. I guess uh, every level of breaks down, every of the simulation levels breaks down like this. There are monsters overrunning the land, and it stops your little civilizations of people from expanding. So you need to tell the people, walk to these monster lairs and seal them off. They'll build their roads, they'll build their houses along the way, and eventually they'll get better houses, they'll get more confident, they'll find treasure for you. And someone down at the temple in the city will say, hey, we have a problem, please solve it. And then you focus on that problem, solving it however you can, usually by calling down natural disasters on the land, like earthquakes or wind or intense sunstroke. And... Or you kill more monsters. The, the simulation parts are my definite favorite part of Actraiser, so that's the part that I focus on when I explain it to people and when I think fondly of it. Well, yeah, you're playing the little angel who flies around and shoots the thing, the demons that are trying to kill your people. Naturally, as you are also God, you can call down natural disasters and whatnot, but during these parts, God just sits around and takes a break while the angel does the real dirty work. Until you go back to the action parts, which bookend the simulation parts, and I can talk about the action parts if necessary, but maybe Paul remembers them slightly better. So the action parts are, it's a basically a, a side-scrolling action game and you kind of, uh, you know, make your way through the, the levels and the controls are, you know, the old fashioned controls where once you start your jump, you really can't change directions or, or anything like that. It doesn't control like a Mario game. Um, if you played like the printy games on the PSP, it controls like that. So that makes them a, a little bit more challenging, at least in the first game. Um, but I had a lot of fun with those. You know, your magic is kind of fun to use. Um, the levels are pretty well crafted. Um, the jumps aren't terribly difficult in the first game. Um, the bosses have a, a unique, you know, sense of, you know, everyone's different. They're not all the same. Um, the, um, you know, the way you progress through the level, sometimes you gotta go up and right, sometimes you gotta go down, sometimes you, you just traverse your levels. All the levels are different and they kinda match how the, uh, the initial, you know, your simulation level is. So, some are like marshy, some are forests, some are in mountains, um, some are in deserts, things like that. There's a couple that reminded me of Egyptian pyramids. Or at least the boss reminded me of something out of a pyramid. Yeah, the, the big floating Tutankhamun face. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember why. I can't 
honestly remember why such a thing would remind me of the pyramids, but yeah. <laughs> Each level definitely has its own distinct feel, and that's one of the things that I really like. Uh, you get a sense of fostering these distinct cultures, and then... Each culture has its own specialty, like one of them discovers music, and you need to use that music, bring it over to a different culture, and they both get better for it. I remember that. I particularly remember the culture that is an ingrate and refuses to acknowledge that you are God, so you must punish it with your divine wrath. Because <laughs> that's what God does. If If your culture is not acknowledging you, then... Time to, whip, time to whip out the wrath of God. Yeah, after fighting some of those bosses for these people, I, I don't know what everyone else's stance is, but I thought some of the bosses were tough. Uh, the, the good kind of challenge, but certainly something that I died several times on and had to work out strategies for, or learn the patterns for. So Absolutely. I want some worship after that. <laughs> yeah, the bosses were challenging, but they weren't like punishing you just because you're dumb. Or you make a mistake when you're 10 or whatever. They make you, you know, they make it fair but challenging. Yeah, some of the bosses were easier than others, definitely. Uh, that that little jerk who rolls around in a ball in the volcano level, that guy I hated because he's just faster than you and there's no good way to avoid his attacks all the time. He's the big floating wheel, right? Yes. Yeah. Hate that jerk. And then, of course, because this is a game from the early 90s, back when everybody did this, you get to fight all the final bosses again before you get to fight the real end boss. That's Ugh. just the way they did games back then. You yep. get to fight all the bosses again. Yeah, but that was fun. Somewhat. It was It was an endurance test, that's for sure. Uh, the jerk magician who turns into a werewolf... His pattern changes for that, and I I had problems with it the first time, so that wasn't too much fun to me. Yeah, he's the hardest boss in the game, I think. Zeppelin Wolf? That's yeah. That's his name? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Just looked it up. Yeah, I, I don't remember the bosses ever saying anything. This is not the type, the type of game where the bosses introduce themselves. Hello, I'm evil. I'm going to kill you now. They just show up and kill you yeah if you're lucky your townsfolk will say hey we have this uh terrible monster who lives in a castle and he's abducting children but you don't always get that oh the the ice dragon that guy was a pain to me remember him at the top I remember of the pain and <laughs> Lots of spamming my Stardust magic. Yeah. Now, refresh my memory. Does your magic recharge only after you've gotten killed and have to restart the level, or can you find new charges uh, after losing a life? Because I don't remember offhand. It's after you lose all your lives. So if you don't beat the boss on your first time, you have to go through the rest of your lives without any magic. Yeah, that's a bit brutal. Yeah. Don't understand that choice. <laughs> I guess you're supposed to go in there with a life, learn how the boss is going to kill you, and then learn the best moments to use your magic before he kills you. That's my 
explanation. Yep. Yeah. That's easy. And, oh, of course, we forgot to mention one of the big parts that makes this an RPG, aside from the sim aspect, where the more people you have worshipping you down on the ground, the stronger you become. It's like experience points. Yeah. Their prayers elevate your divine power, I guess. I like that, and it gives it a strong sense of, uh, I don't know, a unique feel to the game. The part that kind of meshes funny is that eventually the people will run out of space to build their houses. So if you want more prayers, you need to destroy all their old houses so they'll build bigger and better ones. That was fun. (laughs) Yes, this is a very Old Testament kind of God. He is just but fair. You people do not reproduce fast enough, so I will alter your lifestyle. Oh, yes, I should mention that because this came out back when Nintendo had the super strict censorship thing, you are not actually God, not in the English version. You are the master. But that's not a bad name at all, either. Nope. It works, and it it fits the setting and everything else, so why not? Yeah, I'll certainly settle for being the master. Most games don't let me be the master. And Tanzra isn't the greatest uh, stand-in for the devil, but the master, have to give it that. Yeah, I don't know what the master's logical adversary would be if we're keeping with uh, the forced translation guidelines. Uh, the other master? Eh. It's a, it's a tangent that I'm not sure where it would lead. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So there's our, there's our sim aspects. Oh yeah. Our angel and his little arrows that kill things ever so slowly and we just have to hope that the monsters come slowly enough that he can kill them in time. Especially those stinking skulls that take multiple hits. Yeah, those are not fun to kill and they're fast. You can use your, uh, your divine powers in that world. In the sim world, and then sometimes it'll kill the uh, the bad guys if it hits them. It will, but you have a limit on your use of divine power. At yeah, it recharges there. fairly quickly, though. The complaint there for me is that you need to go into a menu and open it up and select the power each time. Okay. I guess that yeah, makes that it more like a turn-based, but... Yeah, as I recall, the game does not pause while you're doing this, so you need to be fast. Or am I wrong? Hmm. I don't don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, neither do I. That's why I'm throwing it out. Uh, Okay. Oh, yeah, Zach, you brought up the soundtrack, which is by Yuzo Kushiro, who people from this vintage of games know very, very well. I don't think it's one of his best, but even Yuzo Koshiro not quite at the top of his game is pretty damn awesome. Are you including the symphonic album in that? Probably not. I'm just remembering the music that played as I played the game, and it sounded fine to me, but it did not 
stand out the way his Streets of Rage soundtracks do to me. Okay. It's fair. Uh, I, I still listen to the symphonic track, uh, the CD. I'm actually listening to it right now to put me in the proper mood, and it, it works. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just that I'm used to his doing high-tempo dance stuff for Streets of Rage, and I wasn't accustomed to his symphonic stuff, which I've gotten more used to in the years since. Yeah, this is definitely more uh, grandiose, sweeping, bombastic stuff. In the best possible sense. Yeah, as befits a mighty god. Yeah, you don't want to give your god a country song. That, that just doesn't fit him. Assuming a Japanese composer would ever create a country song for a game, but we'll just set that aside. Oh, Japanese Samurai in Soccer Wars 5. That's true. But, uh, yeah, we shouldn't talk about Soccer Wars. That's an enormous <laughs> divergence. Let's see. The graphics for early Super Nintendo hold up pretty well, although the sim portions are understandably not going to look that great. But they used Nintendo's famous Mode 7, which really made it look ugly as hell. <laughs> Gosh, it's like the Mode 7 hasn't aged well or something. Won't see that on a Genesis. <laughs> Genesis does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> yeah, but the backgrounds were really gorgeous in the uh, action sequences. I really like those. Even the character sprites were decent, but the backgrounds are just amazing for, you yeah, know, a 1992 true. game or 90 game. Yeah, I, got, I can definitely understand why Enix put the major effort into the side-scrolling portions because that's where you need to have it look good. And it does. Those bosses, most of them aren't that big, but they move fast. They, they're fluid, lots of colors, everything. There's no slowdown, which is important because some of those early Super Nintendo games had that in spades and nobody liked it. The bosses are definitely imposing looking. Except for the fire wheel, who <laughs> scares you in other ways. Yeah, because he won't stop long enough for you to get a beat on him without taking a hit. Hit that jerk. <laughs> I can't even remember what Tanzra looks like right now. I just remember... The screen where you need to go through the port, the busts of each of the six bosses before you can face him and his, his bust is looming at you in the distance. Oh. Why, it looks like an image of him has been provided for me to look at. <laughs> oh yes, I remember all of these fun things. There he is, there's Tanzra. And he looks Frankly, he looks like something out of a shooter. But I can't really complain. Oh, the, the boss from the first level of the jungle level looks like something out of a shooter. Thinking directly out of Gradius, the big plant wall thing that takes up the entire right side of the screen. Yeah, I can see oh, that. Yeah. I think you'd use like lightning on him or something to kill him quickly. Tanzra's second form, though, reminds me of something out of R-Type. Yeah. 
Okay, do we... I don't think I have anything more to say. Uh, I th- I was bothered by the jumping controls. As Paul mentioned, this is back when you couldn't control your jumps in midair, and that can hurt you in, way- in ways if you are not familiar with that old style of jumping like the original Castlevania games. But I definitely had some fun with it, and give it major props for being a unique game that worked in most of the ways that it chose to work. Uh, I don't have anything else, really. Paul, Zach, praise this game to the the skies. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say except go buy it on a virtual console or hook your Super Nintendo up and go buy it. Uh, It's definitely worth playing, so I I highly recommend this game. Now, I have... I remember the one of the largest disappointments of my young life was that... Well, one of the greatest joys, I'll start out, is that there was going to be a sequel. Uh, two. And the greatest disappointment was that it got rid of the sim aspects, which is what elevated it above the standard game of the time, I feel. Now, now how can that be? Because... When I look at the box for ActRaiser 2, in big, huge, bold letters Enix has written on the front, 100% pure action and excitement. I mean, that just sounds like so much fun. How could that possibly be a disappointment? It says 100% pure action and excitement. Isn't 100% pure redundant? Maybe. Maybe. What um, isn't redundant was that this was developed by Quintet, published by Enix and Ubisoft. This is a uh, this is uh, on the Super Nintendo, of course, released in Japan October 29th, 1993, and in North America November of 1993. This is a fully platform game with zero RPG or sim elements whatsoever. Single player experience, rated E for Enix. <laughs> e for Enix, huh? <laughs> I like E for evil because this game is pure evil. Uh yeah, let's just let's just cover a couple of things real fast. First, you can't save anymore. You have to use passwords. Although if you like looking on game facts, then that means you can skip right to the last level. Yay. <laughs> um I should mention it looks really good. I will give it that. It looks like a very nice platformer, which it in fact is. The master is now very well muscled, which you can tell because he no longer wears a shirt. Um, he has wings. We'll get into the wings shortly. He has wings on his hat too. Yeah, and I wish they, I wish they played more of a role. Uh, the music was not as memorable to me as the first one, but again, Yuzo Koshiro did it, and I don't think he's capable of turning out a bad soundtrack, so it sounds pretty good. Although the sound effects get really, really irritating. And then we come to the platformer aspect, and it sounds like Paul and Zach remember that very, very well. So I will let whoever wants to speak first do so. I actually haven't played this. I just it was so disgusted by, that they took out my favorite part that I had one of those strong gut geek reactions. And <laughs> your gut was right. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> So well, this, go ahead, Phil. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say, so if you've played the uh, the famous printing game from from uh, Nisa, yeah, this game is takes or the printing game takes basically everything from 
from this game because this game is brutally difficult. The jumps have to be pixel perfect. Um, the controls are kind of, well, not kind of. They're really wonky, and it's just tough. It's uh, probably one of the hardest games I've played. Yeah, we can go into a lot of reasons why it's tough. For instance, almost all of the enemies require that you be spot on with your sword, and if you're not, then they're going to hit you before you can kill them. The enemies tend to be fairly tough, so that you can't kill them with one hit. In order to get anywhere, you have to use your wings to glide, which is a pain in the butt, because your stupid wings like to cut out and leave you skidding along the ground for a little while, so you won't be able to drop exactly where you want to go. You'll probably just fall off a pit and die again and again and again and again. Uh, All the RPG aspects are gone, so you are as strong at the beginning as you are at the end. You have a shield that does very, very little, because it covers so much less than your entire body. You have magic again, and you will very much need it, because otherwise some of the bosses are going to destroy you utterly. There are a couple of gimmick stages. Paul, remember that the second part of the volcano where you need to race across the crumbling platforms? Yes, (laughs) and the lightning strikes like to come along and just kill you. randomly? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah this game is uh it's tough it's if you like to uh to really frustrate yourself go play this game yes watch as the boss destroys you in a few seconds because there's essentially no recovery time between hits uh that's always the sign for a really hard game when you have to run away after taking after taking a hit because you will take more quickly in sequence until you're dead. There's no flashing recovery time that I remember in this game. Nope, and they hit like a truck. Everything hits you like a truck and you hit like a little fly. Yeah, in retrospect, maybe the master shouldn't have taken off his shirt and, stood, and, and instead should have put on some chain mail or something to protect himself. Yeah, but he has to make those so, so difficult jumps, so he needs to weigh less, because his wings suck. Yep. <laughs> you should have taken lessons from the angel in the first one and learned how to fly instead of just glide badly. And of course, if something hits you in the middle of your guide, you will be snapped out of it and you will likely fall to your death. In true Castlevania style. Yep, only there's a lot more enemies and they come a lot more often. Yep, and you had a whip in Castlevania, and you have a sword here, and for some reason the sword doesn't have the reach that the whip did. Which can be a problem, you know. Uh, I I despised this game when I played it. I beat it in under 12 hours, and I hated every minute of it, and I did it just because... I wanted to accrue some karma somewhere to make up for whatever else might happen to me in my life. I've done this, so I don't have to suffer through something else in the future. That was my justification. I have a question about the ending, then. The ending. I've been doing some reading while we've been talking, and apparently to get to the 
last boss, you need to ram into his castle with your sky castle. Is that correct? Pretty much. It, it essentially proceeds just like the first game in that you get to fight all the end bosses again. Okay. And this, and this is after uh, you beat all the regular levels, so Deathheim opens up again, and you get to go down there and fight all the bosses again. Uh, but in order to do that, is, is this equivalent of ramming into the enemy's base, the enemy's secret base with heaven, or...? Uh, you could read it like that. I didn't, I don't remember it being any different from the mode 7 that takes you down to every other level, just like the first game again, but I may be remembering it wrongly because I'm repressing something. Okay. I'm sorry if my memory of the game is not encyclopedic, but (laughs) I just, even while I was playing it, I was trying to convince myself that this was worth my time when it so much wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's I would rather play Seventh Saga like seven times than play this again. Ow. Yeah, the whole everything that was unique about the first game is gone, and what we have instead is a super tough platformer with dodgy controls. And you know what? If I'm going to play a super tough platformer, I have options that don't have dodgy controls. Or I can just play a platform that's not super tough and also doesn't have dodgy controls, and I'll probably be a whole lot happier. But they don't have the master, and 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 yeah, so they are. Oh, and the angel does nothing except tell you what the password is and say, essentially, oh, I'm sorry you failed, master, but go get him. You'll get him this time. That's all the angel does this time around. You know, it's kind of scary. You kind of get the impression that somehow Enix felt that the sim parts were the least fun parts, that they stripped them out. I mean, why else would they take them out of the second one? I mean, who told Enix, oh, man, I just love the side-scrolling part much better. Get rid of the sim. That's just in my way. Food for thought. Apparently, we can blame Mm. the Japanese consumer base and a bunch of mothers who complained on behalf of their children Simulation is too difficult. It makes my children think. They're used to just hitting things and running around. Why don't you make them do that instead of all these hard thinking things again? Because I don't think Enix really cared about the American consumers at that time. I don't I could think prob- so either. <laughs> but I think the absence of Dragon Quest V in its original incarnation speaks to Enix's lack of caring about the American consumer base. That's true. They did release uh, lots of things with shoddy translations back at that time. Yeah, I haven't played it yet because it's super expensive, but again, Evo, Quest for Eden. There we go. Or even our uh, Paladin's Quest. Oh, yes. Although the translation didn't impress me so much as the horrible aesthetic quality of that game, but we'll probably talk about Paladin's Quest some other time. Robotrek. That translate. Oh, we had so much fun talking about that earlier. Remember, Phil? Remember when we talked mm-hmm. about Trek? Robo Trek. Yes. Yes, Zach, you are absolutely right. I remember a great line from Robo Trek. It's easier than washing your pants, I think was how it went. <laughs> That's just a great line. Bring it up in conversation with people and see how they react. It's easier than washing your pants. Of course. 
Okay, so I think we have we finished beating Act Razor Two into the ground, or shall we stomp on its bloodied corpse some more and hope that it stays dead? Well, <laughs> stop on it. No, no, I think we're done. Um, I think, I think, Mike, that we need to talk about after talking about these big, manly, muscular master dudes with big, huge swords. I think, <laughs> I think we need to change gears totally and talk about something totally opposite from that. After we take a short break, we'll be right back. question for you. Yes? Do you have moon prism power? I sometimes do. You can't have moon prism power all the time, you know, because if you did, then your system would just overload. But you can have it some of the time. You have to, <laughs> you have to carefully ration the times of your moon prism power or else you will just burst into a lunar eclipse and fade away. Fade away. How sad. But yes, in case we haven't guessed yet, I'm talking about Sailor Moon, Another Story, which was released in 1994 on the Super Famicom and is the only RPG to ever feature Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon saw a lot of game adaptations, but most of them were beat-em-ups that I haven't played because, let's face it, generic beat-em-ups get old. And a couple of fighting games where you get the odd side of the Sailor Scouts beating each other to a pulp. Now, this one is set between the fourth and the fifth seasons, and the fifth season never came out in English anyway, so that doesn't make much of a difference. And it features all of the antagonists from them, some of them I recognize, given that I have watched some Sailor Moon, some of them I didn't. Um, and honestly, the real surprise is how solid and enjoyable an RPG this is, because licensed games, wherever they come out, generally are not thought of as good times, except for people who love the license, and at the time I played the game, I didn't really. You get to play all of the fi- all of the ten Sailor Scouts, yes, Sailor Saturn, through a wonderful piece of retconning, is able to come back for a little while, although if she used her full powers and remade the world every time she attacked, I think the game would be over. Um, they all have their attacks done by the, done by the voice actors from the show, it's a pretty lengthy game, and it gets pretty challenging as it goes on. You're going to need to grind a lot. And there are a few things that make the, the combat of this game unique. First is that when you defend, it doesn't do half damage like most games. It does 95% defense, something like that. So defending is incredibly powerful. Another thing is that you start with 12 EP, which you use for spells and whatnot, with every battle. But those get depleted real fast in boss fights, and it changes the dynamic of grunt encounters a fair amount. 
you can have the sailor and scouts team up to do double and triple and occasionally even all five of them in the party at once do one mammoth attack. The music is pretty good. There aren't a whole lot of tracks, but I liked what I heard quite a bit. It's quite catchy. The story, you know, a long time ago, this is one of the oldest translated ROMs out there. Somebody put together a ROM of this, and I've seen some of it. It's pretty good, but I played the cartridge, so you don't really need the ROM to understand what's going on. Uh, the graphics are serviceable, nothing great, but they'll do. And yeah, I can't remember anything else immediately worth remarking upon, except this is a very solid RPG based off Sailor Moon, and if that appeals to you, go fetch it. It's not too hard to find on eBay. Did, well, would it uh, would it would it be hard to play the Japanese version, being that it's an RPG? I played the Japanese version. It's it's a turn based RPG. You'll you do a little experimentation, you get the idea real fast, and wander around, talk to everyone when in doubt, or just consult game facts because there are multiple facts of this for your perusal. It's not that hard to figure your way around, and random turn-based battles play pretty much the same no matter what language they're in. Would you say that this game was tough? Does it require grinding like some RPGs? Particularly towards the end, you are going to want to grind. The final boss, well, they, they use a cheat. You can fight the final boss once when it's pretty hard, uh, what's your face? I, I can't even remember the name of the final boss right now. Somebody will probably remind me of it. But if you lose the final boss, then the other five Sailor Scouts who you did not fight her with will get a chance, and the final boss will be pathetically easy this time. But you'll get a lame ending. <laughs> Interesting. But you're beating her with the power of friendship. <laughs> beating her with the power of friendship. <laughs> yes, you... You can either use the sparkling wide pressure, the burning mandala, the space sword blaster, the Merc- the shine aqua illusion, or you can just uh, love her to death, I guess. I don't know. I love her to death. What was her name? Anshar, that's her name, yes. Yeah, and, and not that we would ever advocate, you know, downloading ROMs or anything like that. but No, Apsu. You know. Opsu with 120,000 hit points in her final form, which is considerably more than anything else you've ever seen. But yeah, if you if you lose to this quite challenging final boss, then you can just go in there and she'll become a wuss. <laughs> but you'll get a terrible ending. Aww, nobody wants a bad ending. Well, then you have to go grind a little bit and beat her at her at her best. Yay for grinding! Yay friendship! No. Yay, friendship! <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's that's good stuff. Yay, moon spiral heart attack. Ah, boy, I don't know. <laughs> Friend, friendship power. What, what is this world coming? What is RPG backtrack coming to? Come on. If you want to talk about that. friendship, you. All I need to say is sailors Uranus and sailors Neptune. What are they? Um. That got edited out of the 
translation for American kids, but it's pretty obvious if you know what to look for. They're cousins, yep. right? Hmm? They're cousins. Uh, if they're cousins, <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> most cousins don't act like that to each other. <laughs> oh, and Sailor Pluto, I forgot. She It costs every bit of magic she has, but Time Stop is an incredibly useful ability that more games need to use because it literally stops the enemies for three whole turns. They can't do anything and you can beat away. Well, that that's awfully handy. Yeah, that's one of those things... If you know how to use it, then you can completely bork the game and anytime Sailor Pluto is with you. Hmm. Interesting. And that was... That was developed by who? Which company? I have to look that up because I didn't know it originally. Just a second here. Wikipedia says Angel. Angel Studios, and I don't know anything else Angel Studios has done, although I'm sure there are ways to find out. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. Looks like Angel Studios did a lot of the other Super Nintendo other Sailor Moon games, a couple of Ultraman games. Ooh, a Game Boy Gamera game. That yeah, not a... Okay. Uh, yeah. I have a question. Go. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that the Sailor Pluto ability can really be overpowered, and with the final boss, you can do the everyone teams up and makes it real easy thing. Are there other cues of genre emulation? It does it seem like uh, you're participating in an actual story that has to do with this universe, or is it just feel like a tactical RPG? Oh, it's a, it's a traditional RPG. Oh, traditional. Sorry. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry if I didn't make that clear. You get you get five of them at any one time, and they, in turn based combat, beat the crap out of random enemies. Okay. Yeah. It does it use the property well, I guess is what I'm asking. I would say it does. It makes a point of reviving most of the villains from earlier in the series and having them at the very least acknowledge their presence without just showing up to be killed. Um all of the enemies are drawn from the series. The characters when they talk amongst themselves talk like they would if this were a consolidated uh, storyline of the show with no gratuitous reuse of footage over and over in every episode like the show did um, and you don't even have to go through the monster of the week syndrome where you just fight things that are completely inconsequential because pretty much all of your major quests are fairly well tied into the overall, the overarching plot. If you're a Sailor Moon fan, this will satisfy you, and you'll probably feel very good about it. I'm not saying that it's the best possible use of Sailor Moon, because I don't know what that would be, but this is definitely a good use of Sailor Moon. Mm. Well, and, and of course, we, we don't endorse the, the downloading of ROMs, and I won't mention the fact that I found it in less than 10 seconds, the English ROM version for an emulator. <laughs> I won't mention that at all, but, um, you know, 
Anyways, um, while you're not going on Yahoo and searching for Sailor Moon RPG in quotes um, and <laughs> downloading the second link that you find, um, while you're not doing that, we're going to take a few minutes, let you listen to some more uh, ActRaiser music, and we'll be back for the final lap. It's almost as if you closetly like Sailor Moon. No, no, we we don't we we don't like girly games here at RPG Backcheck, especially when uh, the girls are actually on the show. This is totally a man show today. Feel the masculinity. Ruff, 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 ruff. That sounds more like a dog, actually. <laughs> yeah, male dogs. Yeah, woof. that's it. Woof, woof, woof. My woof. dog is. My dog is sleeping under the blankets right now. And then I get a new dog on Monday. Ooh, what kind? Getting a husky. I like huskies. Mr. Mister Mike, I still have a stack of games to give away. Do we have any questions this week? Um, Paul, Zach, you got any good questions offhand? Oh, Zachary. and incidentally... We could have them send the uh, all the names of the cities in the the first ActRaiser game. Hmm. We could, but that's kind of easy. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. And, How... The name of the kid from Bloodpool? That was missing? Yeah. Yeah, that's no. what I was kind of thinking, too. He's a breakout character. Most of the citizens and actors don't have names. Hmm. Sticks out with his blazing spirit. Okay. Um. How about? How about this, Mike? Okay. How Everybody about this? Here's here's our contest. For the week. And for All right. Here we go. All right. All right. Uh, we talked about five games on the show: two Freedom Force games, two Actraiser games, and Pretty Princess Sailor Moon. Um, was that fighter princess? Anyway. Um. Okay. So, whoever can write a wonderful two, one or two paragraph, um, I won't say word review, but sales pitch that what makes the one people go and play one of those games and and on the board post this on the board so we always have a thread that Mike Minky makes up uh, for each one of our shows and he'll do the same once he posts his show so go there and sell us on one of these five games that you've personally played tell us why it's the best game in the world and why everyone should just go out there right now and buy it and play it or or, or whatnot and and Mike will pick the best one that just has just absolutely sold him and that one will win one of my very precious 
one. wonderful, most I awesome like games that I don't want anymore. As well. So when you write the this, use on the correct side, grammar and spelling, or else I will be very irate. As well as yeah, Mike is very good about that whole English thing. He always proofs my stuff and finds lots of things wrong. So he won't read your stuff if it has lots of things wrong. Or you can attempt to convince people that Actraiser 2 is a good game, which will be an even harder thing. Yeah, major brownie points if you can somehow make that game sound good. Anyways, while y'all are writing those up, I'll tell you that our next show is called The Mighty Mighty Magics. We're going to be talking about a long list of Might and Magic games. So, gosh dang, there's a lot of Might and Magic games. Like 10 of them or something. Anywho. That's why we're slimming it down. We're not out with any ancillary segments. We're going straight to the Might and Magic next time. All, all about might and magic. So, uh, be ready to talk about, or be ready to, to talk about that, or listen about that, or, or something. Anyways, any questions or comments that you have, please write them on the boards, or email me at jcservant at rpgamer.com. As always, you can record and mail in your two minute reviews on any of the games we're going to talk about. If you want to do an audio review, uh, on any games we have talked about, or we're going to talk about any of the might and magic games, Feel free to do a two-minute uh, MP3 recording. I only do it. I only take MP3s, please, and mail that to me. You can also follow us at Twitter.com/rpgamer and become our biggest fans on Facebook at Facebook.com/rpgamer. Um, gentlemen, Mr. Engelman and Mr. Felldown of Wellhouse, I appreciate you being on this show. Paul, is there anything you want to say to the audience before we leave today? Um. NIU won, so you should be happy. They're going to the MAC Championship in Detroit. Other than that, uh, go play some RPGs. Go go play ZHP. You could. Yeah. Go co RP gamers. Man, the PSP has been looking good lately. Zach, anything you want to share with the audience before we leave? Um, li- listen to the parts about Freedom Force again on the cast. I thought those were especially good. They've sold me. I think I'm going to get some sleep now. I guess sleep is overrated. <laughs> Anyways, to, to to our audience, we also thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack and putting up with us. As always, you're the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservantrpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, please tell me that you're not sitting us off with pretty prison power today. Uh, no, I have something else that I'm playing, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll find out eventually. Anyway, platforming and simulation don't usually go together. That was true in the Super Nintendo era, and it's still true today. Unfortunately, Square Enix seems to have forgotten this once quite impressive property. So don't expect to take the mantle of the master again. Especially not when Enix forgot about why... ActRaiser was good. But you can always go back and play it for yourself on Virtual Console or the original Super Nintendo and just be a god. 